All thanks and praises are due to God. We seek God's help and forgiveness. We seek refuge in God from the evil within ourselves and the consequences of our evil deeds. Whoever guides, whoever God guides will never be led astray. And whoever God allows to go astray will never find guidance. I bear witness there is no God but God alone without any partners. And I bear witness that Muhammad is God's servant and God's final messenger. O oh, you who believe, be mindful of God as is God's due and make sure you devote yourselves to God to your dying moment. Quran 3.102. It is an honor to be here with you today again. Um, what a difference four years can make in our little lives. When I was here with you right after the 2016 presidential election, I had lost my first campaign for Irvine City Council at a time when I felt like our nation had lost its way. I know I was a little bitter and we were all a bit scared of what was to come, but I remember the message clearly. We needed time to get through our emotions of denial, despair, anger, and eventually move towards hope. We ended with a resolve that we would do better and get more involved. I remember asking you all to do something so you could be counted as a person and not just a statistical number. Today, let's review what we've accomplished in these past four years and commit to what we must do next. I want to note that all political opinions in my khutbah today are my own and not spoken on behalf of the Women's Mosque of America. In the Quran, Surah 49, verse 9, we read about two groups of believers who, find, who fight each other and are told that if one of them goes against the law or code of conduct, then fight against the transgressing group. Surely Allah loves those who uphold justice. In these past four years, many of us has, have taken over our streets with marches, rallies, and protests. From the Women's March to the Muslim ban, climate change, the wall, gun violence, DACA, family separation to the Black Lives Matter movement. We spent a lot of time these past four years in the streets. We raised awareness about issues, debated friends on social media, and found out that intersectionality was truly an ally for all our causes. Law professor and social theorist Kimberly Crenshaw coined the term intersectionality in 1989. People are often disadvantaged by several factors. You have race, class, gender identity, sexual orientation, religion, and more. The early feminist movements did not take into account women of color, immigrant women, or poor women. Their focus was on the white middle-class woman. Through intersectionality, the feminist movements of today become bring income inequalities, immigration, sexism, and so much more into the conversation. It is important to recognize the difference between who is speaking and who needs to be heard. That is important. In the past four years, I found myself intertwining in so many realms that not long ago worked in silos. Interfaith efforts and social justice efforts were finding ways to merge. Non-political people were figuring out how to get involved in politics. The youth became bold because they didn't trust that the adults of today would protect their tomorrow. It was chaotic yet beautiful. A scary time that found comfort in diversity. In the Quran, Surah 49, verse 13, we read, we created you from a single pair of male and female and made you into nations and tribes that you may know each other, not that you may despise each other. Verily, the most honored of you in the sight of Allah is the one who is the most righteous of you. This verse is used so many times in interfaith circles. 
but I find it relates to any situation because in the fight for civil liberties, it doesn't matter whether you're brown or black, Muslim, non-Muslim, immigrant, young or elderly, all that matters is the freedom and sanctity of human life. During these four years, we did come together to get to know one another and work side by side. And in doing so, we created space for ourselves to sit at the table where policies are made and laws are passed. Did we know that the 2016 election and the four years that came after would somehow result in 170 Muslim candidates running for office in 28 states throughout the US? This is up from a dozen that ran in 2016, according to NPR. That for the first time, a presidential candidate would hold a pre-election forum with the American Muslim community, and that we would now have three, Muslim, three Muslims in the US Congress, all women, by the way. We made a difference. There were countless Muslims throughout the US who mobilized, made phone calls, wrote postcards and canvassed. I remember I had a 70 year old Pakistani auntie who made phone calls on my campaign. And like clockwork, she would join in on Zoom and go through the call list. She was amazing and really good. One day I was thanking her for being so dedicated. And she told me that she wanted to see me accomplish what she couldn't. And as a candidate, I can't even begin to share the type of pressure I felt hearing this. And this is just one story. There are countless others. And with each one, the burden grows. The last time I was here, I remember sharing with you how hard my first campaign was. The hoops I jumped through, the hurdles I jumped over, and still was faced with the hate because of my religion and packed with lies. But in these four years, I ran for city council again and came in first out of 12 candidates, becoming the first Muslim woman elected to office in Southern California, and the first woman of color to be elected to the Irvine City Council ever. And then in the face of the BLM movement and countless social injustices, I found myself running against our mayor, who instead of inviting healthy dialogue and debate, was telling people that if they didn't like her city, they could find another city to live in. Instead of listening to their concerns, she told UCI students who were struggling to pay rent to find jobs at Amazon. I found her lack of empathy to be unacceptable. So within six months, I did everything I could to defeat a 26-year incumbent, someone who has never lost an, an election, and it became the first Muslim woman mayor of a major city in the U.S. But I do want to recognize my sister, Sadaf Jaffer, who was the first Muslim woman mayor in the U.S. And it's not counted among the major cities, but remember, we never want to erase someone's achievement. And I thank her for all she's done. You know, sometimes I feel God puts me in positions of discomfort to see what I'll do with it. Most of the time, I'm hoping I'm making the right decisions. Throughout the Quran and in so many of its verses, we are reminded to have belief and rely on God. And I can't tell you how much comfort there is in taking action with intent and then relying on God through prayer. In these past four years, my hair has gotten more white, but my heart is content. Verily, God does not change a people's condition unless they change their inner selves. Read in Surah 13, verse 11. In the next half of the khutbah, I will discuss the importance of working towards justice and peace. I say what I've said. May God forgive all of us. Alhamdulillah. All praise and thanks are due to God alone. The end of 2020 doesn't mean the end of an era. It's just the beginning of an awakening. No one person or even administration can do right on their own. This democratic republic government of ours requires the people component, hatred, bigotry, xenophobia, 
and even bad policies are not going to end because of an election. So the work continues and it needs you. As we witnessed, there are people who are ready to take up arms and defend a lie. They are ready to tear down democracy over a conspiracy, but they are not alone. They are supported by a system that is in place today, a system that is prepared to pull out riot gear and rubber bullets when people of color protest for justice and equality, the same system that opens barricades to let insurgents enter the U.S. Capitol without harm, a system that will kill a black man for holding a phone in his hand while in his backyard, yet let armed white men trespass governmental property without batting an eye. There is no such thing as justice and equality unless there is justice and equality for all. I don't know if you saw this statement on social media, but it sums up the inequities faced in particular by the black community. It goes like this. We're not asking you to shoot them like you shoot us. We're asking you to not shoot us like you shoot them. I'll say it again. We're not asking you to shoot them like you shoot us. We're asking you to not shoot us like you don't shoot them. These are the systemic changes that need to be made in our country. But it sometimes seems that no matter who gets elected, not much seems to change. Maybe it's because the people getting elected don't understand the lives that historically oppressed and underrepresented groups live or the circumstances they go through. That's why there are now activists and people that are working together to get more Black representation, more Asian Pacific Islander representation, more Latino and indigenous representation in government from the local level up to the federal level. We're starting to see more people get elected who know from firsthand experience what the inequities are and who will work towards fixing them, I hope. And this is where intersectionality comes in. There are about 3.45 million American Muslims in the United States. We are brown, black, API, Latino, native, white, you name it, and it's who we are. So where are we? Are we raising politicians, policymakers, historians, activists, journalists, writers? Are we? 170 people just ran for office out of 3.45 million. Who's working on the policies? Who's documenting the history? Who's telling the story about us? What can we accomplish if we don't control our own narrative? Think about that. It's not enough to give to charity, pray five times a day, and fast. More is expected of us, and we get to decide if we'll deliver. I don't want to tell my grandkids that I worked hard, bought a house, drove a nice car, and expected the same from my kids. I want to tell them that I worked hard, took some hits, but made sure that my comfort was not on the back of someone else's discomfort. I don't want to tell them what I watched happen from the comfort of my home. I want to tell them that I, along with so many others, made a difference by getting elected, supporting others to positions of power, fighting for equity, and that even the most timid of us spoke out against the injustice. I'll share a story with you. My boys were in elementary school when I took them with me to an MLK protest for justice and equity organized by Reverend Mark Whitlock and others in Anaheim. This is probably six to eight years ago. And in order to gain attention, some of us were asked to participate in civil disobedience and block traffic. We knew what we were getting into and what the possible outcomes would be. I handed my boys to the care of a friend because there weren't enough people willing to disrupt. So I would. Was I scared? Yes. Were my boys scared? Absolutely. Today, they're 16 and 19. And know that while they go to school, work, or play, it's their job to speak up and call out injustice. As Muslims, justice and equity needs to be a priority for us. We cannot afford to be silent. We cannot afford to not care because that's not who we are. We may have forgotten. Some of us may have gotten lost along the way. 
But we are reminded over and over again throughout the Quran and throughout the Hadith documenting the life of Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him. The importance of justice from our religious practice of paying the day laborer before their sweat dries to making sure the balance is always exact when weighing products in business. Surah 4, verse 135 reads, O believers, stand firm for justice as witnesses for Allah, even if it is against yourselves, your parents, your close relatives, whether one is rich or poor, Allah is more worthy of both. Surah 5, verse 8 reads, O you who believe, be upright for God and be bearers of witness with justice and not let hatred of a people incite you not to act equitably. Act equitably. That is near to piety. Surah 16, verse 90 reads, Allah orders justice, kindness, and good conduct. Allah forbids injustice, immorality, and oppression. Surah 55, verses 7 to 9 read, And the heaven God raised and imposed the balance, that you not transgress within the balance, and establish weight in justice, and do not make deficient the balance. All you have to do is open the book and read. The directions are there. They've never changed. The only thing that has changed is us. We've become complicit. So let's not just be a number in the census count, a number in a political statistic or a number that stayed silent. Let us all, each one of us, be the person that people can rely on, whose words will break barriers, barriers, whose efforts will shatter ceilings, whose love for justice and equity will be the seeds planted today that fulfill the much needed shade for tomorrow. God commands justice, doing good, and generosity towards relatives, and God forbids what is shameful, blameworthy, and oppressive, God teaches you so that you may take heed. In the Quran, 1690. Recite what has been revealed to you of the book and stay consistent in prayer. Indeed, prayer restrains the human from lewd and wicked behavior, but the remembrance of God is even greater. And God knows everything you are doing. I pray. Let us all pray. I pray for those who have lost their lives in the fight for justice, those whose voices were silenced by oppression, and those who are now finding their way, may God guide us, protect us, and may we one day break the systems that bind our brothers and sisters. Wa kimna as-salah. Let's perform the prayer.